And cheers. Cheers. I'm Peter. I'm Andy. And welcome to DiplomacyGames.com. Yep, episode 60. 60? 60! It's got a big zero. It's like one of those growing up numbers. Wow. Yes, it is a big growing up number. Where are we drinking, Andy? It's called Proud Henry. It's a wine bar in Fortitude Valley. So I think, was it last time we went to the Fortitude Valley down at the soapbox? Yeah, you pointed it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, it makes sense to kind of come in. We, we've talked about doing more valley venues. So, And the good thing about this place is literally next door, there's another bar, another pub. Which will tail this Yeah, so we'll episode, start the yeah. episode here in Proud Henry and we'll end up finishing up in Hotel Carrington. And we'll probably end up doing a second recording in Hotel Carrington. So, uh, look, but honestly, at this place, if you were a gin lover, this would be the location to come. Oh, they've yeah. Got, they've got gins that are Navy strength, barrel aged, all around Australia, Canada, England, the Americas. Got some rums there. Yeah, see, I thought it was a wine bar, but I think it's actually it's more a gin bar, isn't it? Gin like and wine bar. Gins and slow gins and Navy strength gins. Your dad would like one of those. No, actually, he, he, <laughs> but Navy men are rum men, aren't they? They're rum, aren't they? Yeah. And there's a shelf of rum over there. Wait. Down the bottom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I see it now. I see it now. Cool. So, not a drinking show, although we do drink. We do. I'm, I'm having a... What are you, you having? I'm on an Archer IPA. Okay, where's that from? No idea? Archerfield? I have no idea. <laughs> Archerfield. <laughs> <laughs> Archerfield's an industrial suburb in Brisbane, for those of you who don't know. Um... I'm having a Trace Kothik, I think that's the way you pronounce it, Trace Kothik Grenache from the Barossa in uh, South Australia. Good it's, job. It's not bad, I like it actually. It's uh, For a 2017, it's got a bit of a taste, a good taste. I reckon for another couple of years it would be taste even better. Right, yeah. But that being said, you know, I think a good opening it tastes even better. What do you think? Or even a good mid-game tastes pretty good. Tastes like a good mid-game where you um, successfully vanquish a foe. Yes, that yes. would be a good yeah vanquish yeah. a foe, or um, maybe a cheeky stab on someone that they never doesn't have repercussions. Doesn't have repercussions because they're <laughs> they're on the other end of their country or something, attacking someone else. Speaking of cheeky stabs, mm. I um I'm, I'm so desperate to do a stab in one of my games at this moment. Oh really? Um, a country that's neighbouring me. I've been friendly with him for a long while. Yeah. Um, and he's just gone and thrown all of his forces against a, a neighbour once removed from him. So a neighbour adjacent to him, but not adjacent to me. So as yes. a result, all of his units have been moved away from my border to this other opponent's border. And the beautiful thing about that is he's gone and done this expecting that third country to be attacking him. Ah. But he hasn't. But the. But he didn't. He wasn't attacked. <laughs> and said, so, hmm. I, I'm. Yeah. Sometimes in this game, paranoia strikes deep. It does. And and you can see when people make paranoid moves. Do you find paranoia getting the best of you sometimes? Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting analogy because I'm in, I'm in a game at the moment where I've. 
I've got a long, torturous relationship with a player who's been an on-again, off-again ally, but usually enemy. And at the moment, we've got to the point where he's kind of agreed to be a friend again. I mean, I've agreed to be a friend again, but then he kind of pulled a move, strangely enough, supporting in one of my allies into an area that dislodged my navy. And they're both kind of playing games. One saying, oh, look, I'm just, you know, you have stabbed me a lot, so I'm, this, is, this is my insurance policy. And the other one's saying, no, I'm just doing this to kind of get on this guy's good side so then I can attack his ally. Oh, so you're getting different stories. Different stories. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't know if that uh, signifies a truthful element. At least yeah. one of them's true. Or, or whether they're both lying. Either of them true. Yeah. Yeah, oh... Yeah, I can see the paranoia striking then. I think I think we might have to have that conversation off tape with the, of the board and with the actual board up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we recently held some had some interviews. We had two interviews, two interviews, back to back, back to back. Yeah, I reckon that was a good yeah. way of doing it. Well, covered a lot of ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the first, uh, the, the one that we're going to be um, talking about today is the interview we had with Umble the Hoop, who runs the uh, diplomacybriefing.com. It is a dot .com? It I is mean, a dot .com. Cool. Um, he's got all of his, um, all of the archival um, briefings that he sends out. Yep. But the, mo- the amazing thing about it is he sends this out weekly. So they're little bite-sized bits of what's going on in the diplomacy community uh, to assist everyone who's kind of interested in the game in the hobby yeah. in general and he's one of the, the the new breed of guys who are out there really giving something back to the community you know, yeah. where he's taken on him on board himself just to do something creative have a bit of fun and you know saw a i won't say a gap in the market but a new way of this kind of making everybody aware whether they're into face-to-face whether they're play dip web dip v dip it doesn't really backstabber, conspiracy, the whole thing. The lot. You know, here's a whole heap of stuff, which is like literally a week by week, what's going on. Here's some. Here's a great strategy article. Here's some, you know, interesting news tidbits that have occurred. You know, all the face-to-face games, all the online, sorry, face-to-face tournaments, all the online tournaments coming up, a bit of a rolling yeah, he, calendar. He even um, showcased just this week um, a site that's um, getting back together, the old play-by... Postal mail. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. I didn't see that. I obviously it wasn't paying attention. So there you go. Anyway, shall we roll the interview? Yeah, we can. Cool. Let's go. Umble Heap, welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. Thanks for making time to catch up with us today. Thanks for having me on. And um, I think most people would know you or have known of you or should know of you, if they haven't already, about your um, amazing regular, is it now weekly, um, email newsletter about diplomacy, diplomacy briefing? It is, it is. I think uh, just the 17th uh, issue came out this, uh, this today, actually, this Friday. I, I actually just saw in my feed as we were starting to... Sorry, as we were starting to catch up, um, that it popped up and it's like, oh, there's another one. So how, how timely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what kind of piqued your interest to create that, that online newsletter? Because it's, I find it very, very valuable to know what's going on around the traps. Um, what, why, why did you do it? 
Well, I was uh, talking actually with uh, Ajax over at the um, the Nexus server, and uh, they uh, I I had first connected with them back in um, their first season actually, and but I was talking with him you know, probably about four months ago, and of course you know he kind of has kind of a goal of just creating a place where a lot of the you know different players from different platforms can come and play and get to know each other. And so we were talking and I said, you know, I, I said something that I think would be really helpful for the hobby is if there was a weekly email that just let people know what was going on across the community. And so I, I started, like I sketched out all these things that I thought should, uh, should happen and that it should cover. And uh, about that point, I was like, you know what? I said, I'm just going to do it. then. And uh, I was trying to create work for someone else. And, um, kind of got excited about it and said, hey, there's a need here. Um, this is something I would like to get. And so that was kind of the, um, the starting point of developing the briefing. Um, over the next few weeks, I kind of scheduled out kind of what I wanted it to be. And really, from the first issue to, to now, it's pretty much the formats stayed the same. And when it comes to what you put in that with that, with that format, how did you decide how that format was yeah. going to work and operate? Well, one of the things, like initially, that I thought was going to be important is that uh, the way I kind of describe it is like a cliff notes of diplomacy because um, I wanted it to be something that there wasn't so much information that people just started skipping it. Um, I wanted it to be something that people could look through really quickly, and if there's something there that piqued their interest, okay, I'll check it out. So. My, what I had set it up was I'll do one or two hobby announcements. So that could be, you know, tournament results. That could be, um, you know, a new variant that came along. That could be, uh, you know, some some kind of interesting diplomacy-related thing that happened that week. That could be uh, a podcast that comes out, you know. So, so one or two uh, hobby-related um, announcements. And then one strategy article. And part of that is just kind of my... Uh, I, I like that. I like I like talking strategy. I like thinking about interesting openings and uh, interesting moments in a game. So we're going to have that. And then the other was going to be a calendar of upcoming events. So in the next three or four months, what are the online and then also the face-to-face um, -face tournaments that are coming up? And I felt like keeping that regular would just help people keep um, what is coming up in the uh, future, but then also... Um, you know, what's happening right now, too. So, um, and, and the reason ultimately is because the, the diplomacy community is very vibrant, lots of things going on, but there's all these little, like, fiefdoms, so to speak, where people are kind of doing their own thing and don't, don't really know what's going on, you know, all around. There's not great communication. And so uh, I think every Friday, um, you know, before I send it out, I pull up probably about 40, I got about 40 web pages or some, probably something like that, that just, I pop up and I look at all these different places, Facebook, Twitter, um, across all the online platforms, the forums, and I see, is there anything new that people need to know about? And, um, and I'll add something in if I need it, but I try to always keep a few weeks ahead, but I do that, you know, mainly because I think, I think it's great to know what's going on, but also, you know, I think it helps us kind of get to know each other too. And I think ultimately we'll kind of build a little bit of a more uh, richer community. And um, how long does it take to kind of curate all that information? Well, 
I can tell you how long it should take. The problem is uh, I'm a very, uh, uh, I'm sure you guys would know, uh, I'm as far as when you approach something. Like personally, I'm a very obsessive person. So I, it's very easy for me to constantly be tweaking things and trying to get it better. Um, adding stuff, you know, like now we kind of have a website. Um, I would say that with where it's at right now, I mean, I should, I should probably be able to do it in just maybe two to three hours a week, but I put more time in it, into it than that. So some of the thing right now is it's trying to figure out how to, um, how to not be as obsessive about it now that I've kind of got it to a point that I feel is, um, that I'm very happy with. So we, we are just right now hit 250 subscribers. Um, my goal was to get by the beginning of the year to get to a hundred when I started it. That was kind of my goal and it, um, just some really, uh, a really good response. So I'm kind of at a point to where I want to try to be able to cut back the time, but yeah, I probably put probably, well, it's cut back now because at the beginning there was just a lot of time kind of setting up all my, my um, connections with people across the community because, um, you know, that 250 subscribers is all around the world. I, I, it's every continent except for Antarctica, and I'm working on that. So we've got, uh, we've got people, uh, China, Russia, good amount in Australia, Netherlands, UK, most of the Western European countries, South America. Um, the majority is the U.S., but um, there's a healthy number all across. So connecting with all these different people and letting them know about me so they can send me information about tournaments, that took time. But, um, yeah, it's, it probably could do it. I could probably do it pretty easily in two hours, but um, it, it ends up being a little more than that. Wow, two hours is pretty amazing if you could get it done that quickly. But um, if, I, can imagine, I can imagine, as you said, it might take usually a little bit longer than that. Uh, do you yeah. get much feedback um, from or suggestions from your readership, as you said before, with you know, talking about what's going on in their own local patches? Well, I mean, like I get responses sometimes like, hey, you misspelled this word, you know, so I get those, which uh, is fine. You know, I can't I can't fix it after it's out. But, uh, you know, if it's something that's continuing. So I sometimes I, I, I get those and I, I do get some, you know, hey, thank you very much for putting that out. Um, you know, it's a free publication, doesn't charge anything. Uh, and I don't know, maybe out of the 250, I don't know, maybe 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 a little over 20 have said, hey, thank you for doing this. <laughs> I mean, it's OK. I'm not. You know, that's not why I'm doing it. But um, so I get some feedback there, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I, I pretty regularly now um, people let me know about tournaments that are upcoming. It's kind of, um, you know, I've, I've made enough connections and emails and it there. Yeah, there was a, over the first two months, there was a lot of time put in. It was a lot of late evenings just trying to get the foundation in place. Um, so, yeah, I do. I do get people reaching out, telling me about things that are upcoming. Um, hey, I've got this coming out. Do you think that's something that can be, um, you know, put into the briefing? I'll have people ask about that. But uh, and it all depends. Like I try not to overload it. So, um, you know, I, I, I usually can work something in, but I try to keep it pretty small. But, yeah, I, I get feedback about um, things. I have some coming up in the next few months. I've got some um, guest series that are going to be coming that people have written some stuff. We're going to pretty soon have um, a two part series coming out. From um, in Raider, which I, I'm guessing you guys know who he is. Um, I've always pronounced he's uh, he's putting something out. I think I've always pronounced his name as in Radiador, but obviously I've got, maybe I've got it totally wrong. 
I'm, I mess up pronunciations all the time, so you're probably more on top of it than no, I am. I wouldn't uh, guarantee that at all. <laughs> but uh, he's doing a series on um, uh, English-Turkey alliance and, like, what are your dip- – because it's really all in the beginning of the game. It's all diplomacy. So what are diplomatic goals for an English-Turkish alliance? So he and him had bounced off some ideas, and then he kind of ran with it. So that's going to be coming up um, in a few weeks after I finish up my series. Um so that's um, – and there's some other stuff in the pipeline to do some guest strategy stuff that um, I'm looking forward to. I'm actually interested in reading that um, English-Turkish um, strategy approach because often you find um, when you kind of get together you know, seven people to play a game, there's not too often you kind of see the English player and the Turkish player in, in spring 1901 getting together to talk even though obviously you know Russia is a shared mutual neighbor um but yeah there's there's a lot of potential there but no one really kind of I don't know maybe I'm wrong not not too many people prosecute that one so. well you know you obviously don't have a lot of time either with the time limit if you're in face to face and so even if it's just something as you're walking by saying hey you know um you know uh, Moscow to St. Petersburg, you know, have you been considering that? You know, that's all you have to say. And, uh, you know, just keep on moving. And, you know, there's some diplomacy that you've just kind of done there. So, uh, you know, there's, it's not something you can spend a lot of time with unless you're doing online, but, um, there's definitely, I think like little, some little goals and stuff that you can have, but if you're online, there's a lot more, obviously you can do kind of coordinating some things. And if you have like a, a regular, um, like strategy, um, article or whatever like that every every episode, or every, not episode every edition uh how are you making the call on which which article goes in which you know doesn't get in because there's probably a fair amount of content out there and you'd have to be quite judicious i'd expect with how you um what you include right right yeah you know so far um well, well let me say that so what always gets priority is new content because that's really important for me if, you know, someone's producing original content, like with what you guys are doing, or, um, you know, there's, um, or, you know, there's a guy that's producing some, I think some really good articles, um, and strategy articles over, um, his, um, his, uh, his blog's called Brotherboard and his, uh, I think his, um, web dip usernames, maybe Swordsman or something like that, but he produces some really good content, um, every maybe three weeks or so. So I've always prioritized new content. And, um, that always, that always is going to get first, if it's quality stuff, that's always going to get, that's going always going to get in right away. Um, and then, um, you know, anything like I think in some of the strategy stuff I've done, um, you know, some of the stuff with Eric that, uh, that, um, you, you guys have mentioned, you talked with some, so with Eric, you know, if he produces some stuff, it gets in there. Um, I'm going through a series right now on, um, uh, you know, different emotions that you can strive to, um. I, it's called the infinity stones of manipulation, but you know, you're, you're trying to persuade different emotions you can appeal to. So I'm kind of writing that. But um, the other thing that I've kind of focused on that I think has been helpful is pulling up some of the um, old Zine strategy articles that aren't even on the internet. So um, Doug, uh, Doug Kent, who runs Diplomacy World, also has like a whole website that has an archive for all of these past, um, I, I call them zines, they're probably zines, it's probably how you pronounce them. Um, but anyway, 
he had, he has all of these ones, and we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of them that were during this time of the seventies and eighties, um, in in diplomacy. And so, with if you go into certain ones of them, there's strategy articles from way back then, and there's some interesting ideas. So I've gone through and you know pulled out ones and I uh, have them as PDFs. And so like just this last particular issue, I did three issue, three different strategy articles from the arena zine um, by Eddie Bersan. And so uh, one of them was on a um, Italian three fleet opening. And uh, there, there was some other stuff, but um, I try to, I try, I want things to be unique. You know, I've been playing for about 12 years now, or at least I started 12 years ago. So I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the more recent stuff. So I try to maybe go a little farther back so that it, you know, it seems fresh. I want people that are opening it to be like, oh, hey, yeah, this you don't find this everywhere. Um, so that that's kind of how I go I go about it. I'll do some stuff that's really old. I'll do stuff that's brand new. I haven't really had to do something that was like 20 years old or something like that, or even in the last 10 years, just because I didn't have something. I, I have enough material right now to continue to keep going for for a while and, and I prepare out too like I have a whole list of things of hey I'll use this this and this you know in the future I, I try to keep about three months roughly ahead of and and what I what I'm thinking I'm going to do um, and uh, then things always get changed each week if new stuff comes up but I try to keep about three months ahead on just a, at least a bare outline of what I want to see happen okay um, it's interesting that that topic around going back to older materials because I think you'll find that maybe I'm wrong, but but my 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 view of things is that um, there's there's like existing trends with how players uh, approach the game, and those obviously evolve over time. And it's like if you mm-hmm. kind of go back to some old strategy or approach from you know ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, um, that might be very very fresh now because no one's you know, in that mindset anymore of how to actually play the game. Um, I don't know if you've got any perspectives on that. Yeah, no, you're definitely correct because there is like, you know, there, there are definitely trends with how to open, um, you know, what alliances are, are beneficial. And you can definitely see that over the last 40, 50 years, things change in that. Like one particular one, like when the Lepento, um, the Lepanto opening came out, you know, that was like the thing for a long time. And then eventually, you know, that that changed. And, and honestly, you don't see that opening really that much, even though it's always talked about, right? It, it actually performed exactly the way it's supposed to. You don't even see it as much. So, yeah, there are things that are different. I, I you know, you can just read, um, you know, like Richard Sharp's um, Gamer's Guide to Diplomacy. Like there's there, there's stuff in there that, would not really be probably as applicable, but there's still a lot of good stuff. So yeah, it's not, I I want it to be stuff that people will read that will, um, that it will still be, you know, it'll seem um, that it's relevant, but you know, there's other stuff I put in there too. Like it's not just necessarily strategy. Like there's, you know, like the psychology of it. There was um, one of the first ones I remember I found that I thought was really funny was this wife wrote an article called The Diplomacy Widow. <laughs> and so it was talking about, you know, her husband got into playing diplomacy and how it's affect. It, it was tongue-in-cheek, but how, you know, it's affected, uh, you know, their relationship and all that. And so um, there's just all kinds of interesting, fun stuff. And I haven't really gone down the path, but there was like some humongous controversies 
during the 70s and 80s in the diplomacy postal community that was, you know, it was pretty ugly. So I've, uh, I've not really put that stuff out there or anything, but there's, there's a lot there. Because if you go over to Doug Kent's, I mean, you, you can spend years reading all that stuff if you wanted. There's, there's, there's just so much information. These, these people were literally producing magazines in a way. I mean, it was on typewriters, but it was in a lot of ways magazines to, so, just so they could play diplomacy. You know, because they had just the same problems we do today with, with trying to get together seven people that want to play. So, you know, they wrote letters to them, to each other. They played games. They, these people produced magazines to make it happen. And it's, it is amazing the amount of time they dropped into that. And um, in some ways, the online hobby, in a lot of ways, um, owes a great debt to those people that kind of built up this whole idea of playing um, diplomacy um, by, you know, with, uh, by distance. It's funny, isn't it? It seems to be very much diplomacy is a type of game that once you're hooked, you are well and truly hooked and uh, it's a very addictive thing and you're prepared to put in the effort and the time and, you know, to try to make it to a game or to do as you've just said there back in the, you know, the 70s and 80s with trying to organise things. So that's that's really interesting. Um, Kana, mm-hmm. do you have any questions that you wanted to start looking at? Because you've been very quiet. Oh no! I'm I'm I was just having a look at the um, at some of the the, the, the links or, or areas that you were just talking about. Humble the heap. Um, just just out of interest, how did your how did you choose Humble the heap as your your avatar to go by? Yeah. Um, so when I first started playing uh, diplomacy in 2008, I started on the DP Judge, which um, for, for those that are listening, if they've, if that, that aren't familiar, basically the way that it would work is you would, you had some kind of coding that you, you had to learn this kind of coding that to send your emails into a server and then it would spit it back out to, you know, whoever you were writing. So you could still do anonymous, but, um, you just use your, your regular email. So it wasn't until probably 2011 when, um, some of, at least when I became familiar with some of these with online pl- platforms like play diplomacy and web diplomacy, where they were like, Hey, you got to choose a username. And so I was, I was thinking, okay, well, what would be a good, you know, username? Because I didn't want to have something boring like ambassador or something like that. No. I wanted to have something, no, that's you know, terrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wanted to have something that somebody remembered. And, um, so I was thinking back to a book I had read, um, David Copperfield by Charles Dickens, and kind of like the big villain in there is a guy by the name of Uriah Heep. And so Uriah Heep's like this guy that's like in the background, and he's got like, you know, he got like orange hair and pale skin. He's like this like disgusting creature, and nobody really pays attention to him. And he constantly is talking about how, you know, he always tries to be humble. You know, his mom always tells him to be humble, and he's always talking about how he's an humble person and all this stuff. We get to the end of the book and you actually find like he's been manipulating his employer. He, he works in a law firm, right? And he's been manip- he, He's found like um, some, some damaging information that he's now he's been blackmailing his employer. He becomes a partner in the firm. And then his, his final like strategy was he wanted to get his, um, the, you know, the leader of the, the firm to uh, make his daughter marry him. You know, he's this like disgusting person. And so anyway, he, uh, he, um, the, the book ends like, you know, he gets, uh, he, he gets exposed and he gets, 
you know, thrown into prison and all that. Um, so I, I thought through that, his, his name's Uriah Heap, last name. So I thought I kind of put them together. And so there's kind of the connotation of you're kind of humbling the players that you're, that you're uh, going against, but then also it's all connected to that person. So that's where humble the heap came from. Very nice. How much do you find your, um, your diplomacy persona, if I could put it like that, is similar to your real life personage? Um, I, you know, I suppose it depends ultimately in the conversations that I have. I, I would say like when I'm like direct messaging people, I'm, I'm pretty laid back. I'm, you know, I'm who I am when I'm in a game. I, I, I think I take that just a similar approach, but you know, the thing is sometimes in these, in, in the online communities, you know, like it's just like anything on the internet, you know, you can lean into different, um, aspects of, of, you know, who, who you're wanting to portray yourself as. And so, um, one of the places that I, um, I ended up playing a lot when I kind of got back into online diplomacy was on the Nexus server. So I, um, I think I primarily probably a decent amount of my games had kind of been on play dip and, but then I took a break from 2014 to 2018. And so there was actually a face-to-face group, um, locally here that, uh, was getting started up. And so I, um, thought, well, I'll do another online game just to kind of shake some of the rust off. And so the um, Conspiracy Diplomacy app, um, I don't know how long it had been around, but it was new to me. So I downloaded it and tried out a game and then saw that um, there was a diplomacy tournament happening. Um, It wasn't called the Nexus at that point, but it was the same group. So it was their first season, and um, I I got involved in – just, you know, had some really good games. I, uh, to, to qualify, I think it was six games, but the top three count. And so in my, um, I only played three, but I soloed two of them and the other one topped the board at 16. And so I qualified without having to do the extras. And it, during that, through that point, um, I didn't really say a lot through my first game, but by the time I start, I soloed my second, um, there became kind of, and I, I leaned into it myself. But there became kind of this almost with some people, not everybody, there became a kind of a little bit of a mythic. You don't want him on your board. You know, he's going to, you know, he'll end up, you know, taking all your centers. You'll think you've allied with them. And so this whole kind of villain, take no mercy type thing kind of got going. And I liked it personally. It was a nice change of pace. And so I leaned into that even, even more. And, um, you know, there was definitely that first season, a lot of drama uh, going into the finals. Um, and uh, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty different. I, if, uh, than, than that, at least. Uh, but, you know, at some points, there's probably a lot of similarities, too. I'm, I, I enjoy, I always enjoy teasing people. I was the, an oldest sibling and still am, I guess, an oldest sibling. That hasn't changed. But uh, I, uh I, I always enjoyed teasing people. So all of that all together kind of created what many people perhaps know me as, but I, the, I would say in some instances I am, I am somewhat different. I, or maybe this, I'm a lot, I, there's a lot more to me than what probably a lot of people think I am on the Nexus. That makes sense. Um, even though your, your Nexus avatar is like the, the puppeteer. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Do you, do you play much um, face-to-face at all? Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, when I, 
probably back in 2011, I started up a kind of a group in Iowa and, um, you know, we got a, we had a, we were doing roughly about one game a month. And sometimes we, we never quite got it to two boards in one meet, but we would get like maybe one and a half or, but it was usually one, one board. We had that going for about a year and a half until I uh, moved um, away. And, um, you know, here in, um, in Michigan, this, uh, we haven't really quite got it regular, but we have met up for one game. Um, we've got kind of a nucleus, but it's not, it's not got regular to where we're having, um, games. I've done, um, two tournaments and, uh, so I've enjoyed that. Um, so I probably, I don't know, I, I probably played about 20 some face-to-face games, probably something like that, but it's not, not extensive, but enough that I'm, I'm pretty comfortable playing, um, in that in that environment with that kind of time limit. Um, just, just I mean, ballpark. Where in Michigan are you? We're in uh, the Detroit metro area. So okay. uh, Detroit, yeah, Detroit's the capital of Michigan. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, in the whole metro area, you're probably talking, you know, 4 million people. if you, you know, if you expand it out. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that tends to be our kind of the area where I'm at right now. I'm surprised that there's probably with that magnitude of people there that there's there's not more people coming together for a lot regular games. Well, they're they're definitely there. We I would say we have the base and definitely the people to have it, but it's like it like everything. You have to have someone that's willing to organize and just be really regular with contacting people and setting up the games and we don't really we've got people that are interested but we we don't really have it that person that's just going to pour the time into to really get it off the ground at this point and it's not for me it's not something that that i it's not a role i want to step into and it's not a role that anyone else wants to step into either so um we're waiting for that person if only you had like a newsletter that you could kind of you know share with hundreds of people who might be potentially in the area who might step up and decide to do it for you Hey, I, uh, if anybody signs up from Michigan, they get an email from me. So I, That's uh, right, because you, you know, ask their address, don't you, or, or where they're located? Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not always accurate. Sometimes it's, it's not accurate at all. Like sometimes I, I one time uh, emailed somebody that it, it said they were in Michigan and they were like in Germany or something. So it's not always accurate, but it is accurate some. We've had a few people join the group um, from uh, you know, right from the, from the briefing. So, uh, it, I, I, I try to occasionally, you know, look and say, okay, has anybody from Michigan signed up lately? And, um, but yeah, we're, we're waiting for, for that person. Hopefully it'll get, it'll get off the ground. I think we already have the base of people to do it. It just hasn't, um, come together yet. Very good. Um, do you, do you get to many tournaments at all? Because as you said, you yeah. played about twenty face-to-face games. So, any of those tournaments? Yeah, two tournaments. Um, back in two thousand thirteen, I uh, made it to Chicago for um, the CodCon tournament they had at the time, and then this last, um, this just this last uh, spring or not spring? I'm sorry, the fall. I was at Tempest there in uh, Washington D.C. How did you go? How did I do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I got, when I was at, um, in Chicago back in 2013, I got third place. Um, 
I, I snuck into third. I just barely got it. And um, it was probably over a center or two. Um, I, I think there was maybe 19 or 20 players. It wasn't like a huge tournament. And it was the same thing over at Tempest. It was 1920. I actually, um, so I got two best countries um, this last, I guess, what, two months, two and a half months ago. I had two best countries. And they actually awarded me third place. But I had tied with a guy. Um, and um, they uh, later went back and decided that he got third because of how they decided to do the tiebreaker. So there's a few different ways you could figure it. And uh, they decided that how to figure it. And they probably already had it in the rules ahead of time. I, but uh, I think the way they did it was whoever had the largest center ending was going to be the one that break the tiebreaker. So I think the way it's set up, he had, he, we both had three-way draws we were in, um, but his three-way draw was larger. But then his other one was a five-way draw, and then I had a four-way draw. So you could have figured it out a few different ways. Plus, there were, it was two out of three games, so there were some other things to figure out there too. But the way they decided to do it was that, which was fine. It wasn't, you know, I didn't get second or first. I've already got a third, and um, I got two of the best countries. And, and at the end of the day, it was fun just being around people, I mean, regardless of the result. So that's probably more time putting, <laughs> explaining a little bit more than I needed to. But, um, yeah, they were, both, they were both good finishes for having made the trip to those places. And, you know, I was able to bring back hardware from both. So that's always fun. So, it, yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't get first, but um, I at least got something. So, so you, you mentioned before a little bit of an idea of, of where you're wanting to take the, the newsletter over, you know, the coming months and I don't know whether you've got a, a forward plan beyond that. What about yourself as a, as a player? How do you plan to, uh, you know, Im improve your game over the coming month or year or whatever? Yeah, you know, one of the reasons that um, I kind of have done the briefing was because I kind of, I've taken a step back from online play just because of the amount of time that I would pour into a game, which would, was a lot. Um, you know, I, I'd want to, you know, exhaust, you know, every diplomatic um, angle I could, get as much leverage as I could, think through as much about the moves. Um, so online games became very time intensive. You know, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've got kids, um, and, and obviously my wife too, but, um, so that, that, that was a part of it. So actually like running a newsletter, um, that's going out to everybody is actually less time than playing an online diplomacy game for me. Um, and so, uh, so to answer your question, as far as like where to get better, like, I think that the area that I need, I can, I, I have a lot to grow in is definitely in my face to face skills with, um, just making, you know, I know I can make better judgments, um, long-term thinking when I'm on a board just by playing more um, in that setting. So um, I think I've got, I've got a lot to grow in in my diplomacy ability in a face-to-face -face tournament setting. So, you know, I'm hoping to be able to do another tournament at some point this year. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see where that ends up being, but I'm hoping to be able to do another one. That, that's kind of probably the big thing that I'd like to see myself grow in um, is just being able to play face-to-face, -face, you know, better and better. It might just be an idea from, from my perspective, and please feel free to ignore it, but I'd imagine uh, with the time that you've spent 
putting together the newsletter and curating these strategy um, articles, it'd be interesting to see where you've been able to identify, you know, opportunities for growth in your own game and to what extent then you you know promote that on your own newsletter and to find out that you know, to what extent you've then drawn on that advice in your face-to-face games to see if you have improved or well i i yeah so to answer that but and some of this um i guess would could be the newsletter um but some of it is just coming out of so i i i was able to play both um finals for season one and two of the Nexus. So, um, but in the, the second finals, um, you know, we, so the way the Nexus finals works is it ends in fall 1910. So after that, the game's done, who's ever the biggest wins. Well, going into spring 1908, um, this is season two, you know, I was sitting at seven centers. There was actually, there were five, five countries still on the board. Four of us were at seven. Um, and then England was at six. So that's how tight everything had been. I mean, nobody was really getting able to take out, to really get out ahead of people because then, you know, they get ganged up on. So everything was really tight. And I think I lost, my position got collapsed. Um, I ended up ending at five, I think, but my position got collapsed because I got basically three powers all moved on me. I was Turkey and, uh, all three of them helped each other to kind of just push me back. And I, I lost, I believe, because in one of those moves, um, my social game wasn't as strong in that moment as another guy. And so he, th- this, this other player, he says after the game, I, I didn't really know who to go with, and I just decided to go with the guy that, um, you know, said the right the right thing to me at the right time, you know? And so I guess, you know, that would be an area I could get better. I'm a pretty tactical person. Um, and I, 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 that's how I think when I come to a game, okay, what's the best moves to make? How, and so when it comes to alliances, like my focus is how can I help this person grow? Cause I think that's like the best thing to offer a person more than just like, you know, nice words and these kind of things. So I'm, I'm pretty tactical. And I think growing a little bit on that social side, um, just, you know, little things. I think that can probably help me make a better player. And that's probably one of the reasons, too, I'm doing the series I'm kind of in on, um, you know, connecting with people emotionally, too. With the newsletter, and uh, you mentioned earlier on, you have about 250 people subscribing and they're all around the world and everything. Do you get an idea from that audience base how many of them are solely face-to-face, how many of them are solely online on how much crossover there is between those communities? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's So I've, I've, it, it, it's all across it's all, all across the gamut. So tournament directors, tournament-only players, um, Reddit, Backstabber, WebDip, VDip, PlayDip, the Nexus stuff, Board Game Geek. Um, I, there are there are significant presence um, in that subscriber base from everybody. So yeah, there's plenty of face-to-face people that do not play online at all, and th- that growth mostly came through. Um, there's a there's a a WebEx um, kind of connection. Um, server through Cisco that a lot of face-to-face people um, go to for organizing. And so 
through that, I, um, cause it's like 250 people. I probably, there's probably 40 or 50 just from that. And these are pretty much slowly face to face players. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a vast cross section of, I would say diplomacy, um, in every spot. So it's, it's got a significant presence. Part of that's just because I put a lot of time into promoting it in all of these different places. So I, I do, I try to keep, I try to keep everything that, every issue that goes out for there to kind of be some interest for everybody on their, depending on their background. Great. Um, I've probably asked so many questions. It's not funny. Uh, Kana, you've got anything more that you'd like to ask? Oh, I, I signed up the second I saw you um, post a link to it on V diplomacy. Uh, and I've, I've read, I've read everything ever since. And I just really appreciate that. The, the scale of it, like bite-sized, I know you mentioned that you wanted to keep it, you know, a digestible thing. And I think that's a really good conscientious choice that you made in that in that space. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, um, I just wanted to to ask, um, with, with, um, with Nexus, how it was that you ended up at, Nexus when you re-entered the, um, the, the the online diplomacy space again, you you sort of were you, you said that you were at PlayDip and WebDip, took a break, came back and then you came back through Conspiracy, was it the the app? Yeah, yeah, the the, the Conspiracy Android app, and they um, I think I just searched it on Google Play, and so. Then, um, you know, they have their own Discord server. And so I, I saw that that was something that they had. I didn't even personally, you know, I'm in my 30s. I had no idea what Discord even was at that point. Um, I, it's, it, it's primarily, though, it's used for a lot of other things. But, I mean, it's very gaming related. And so Conspiracy had their own Discord server. And so I joined up and then they were um nexus was promoting their tournament there and so i went over to the nexus server and um and said okay hey i'll try a game and it was interesting for me because i'd only kind of played a public game before so this was a much more serious game and the one i got dropped into were some of the top players on that particular um on the conspiracy app itself so it was a really good test to kind of like be like okay can i still kind of hold my own after all these years and um you know I, it was it wasn't the um, the cleanest game I'd ever played, but um, you know I, I kind of in a sense you know wet the appetite, and so then I continued to play. But it, it 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 went through conspiracy, then their Discord server, and then the Nexus Discord server, and um, that's how I connected. and And I appreciate you know what they're doing. That the first season was was primarily the vast majority of games were conspiracy uh, based in the conspiracy platform, but now they've gotten to a point to where they have a good mix across the platforms um and um i think it's 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 been neat to see people you know some of the top players from different platforms come and get to play with other top players from other platforms so i just you know getting a, a different mix of people with different kind of cultures with how they approach diplomacy it's been very good where do you see the and, game going as far as Oh, particularly when you're kind of seeing that that exposure to a whole heap of different people and different cultures and so forth, is it becoming moving away from being a predominantly a, um, a U.S. European centric type of thing, or 
Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. You know, over the last 12 years, it definitely, at least right now, it feels like we're kind of in a moment uh, in the U.S. face-to-face scene, at least for me, like with following things. It feels like we're in a moment where it's not as strong, the face-to-face community, as it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, I feel like on the online side, that's definitely seems to have just been, you know, it's, it's growing stronger and pulling in user bases. So there's kind of, I think it's always been, it's always, that's always been a challenge getting, you know, online people to meet up for face to face, but it probably could definitely, it'd be great to see some more focused engagement there. I think, I think for the face to face scene to really, really do well. I think online communities have to make it a priority that people meet up to play because there, there's avenues for that to happen, but I don't know if necessarily the, um, the leaders of the different sites, if that's really a priority, but I, there's, there's tournament support. Um, but as far as like developing like clubs, groups, I, there's not, there's not a huge focus on saying, okay, guys, let's connect you guys. so that you can make this happen so that maybe answers it a small part but now if you're talking about on an international level um you know it's hard it's hard to say because yeah the the face-to-face tournament side is kind of ebbed and flowed over time with it it ultimately always comes down to really who will organize right you know every nobody's getting paid for this so it kind of goes where the passion is you know or where the person has the time to do it and so you know, uh, it, it's like it's like any city. You know, if you pull out the guy that's doing all the organizing, all the emailing, that whole thing's going to collapse because unless someone steps up and and takes that over, so it, it ultimately always comes down to the passion where that's coming. And you no, know, we saw that just recently. Like Diplomacy World talked about, there in uh, Minnesota, like there's a really healthy club that's just kind of grown up, but it's had a group of people that just really poured time into making it happen. And I think that can happen, you know, in lots and lots of places. It just has to be someone that's willing to say, hey, this is going to kind of be almost my part-time thing that I'm going to try to get this thing going. And because uh, it takes a lot of work. And as somebody who did that in Iowa, and that's a small area, uh, not not a lot of people, um, that, that particular state, it's uh, it takes a lot of work to kind of just get a core going together. So, I don't know how well that an- answers your question, but it, it definitely does seem, though, that the European scene is organizing more. At least I've kind of seen that in the last four or five months. I mean, it seems like England, um, the Netherlands um, have really kind of, both of them have become, I, I think that their hobby have become a lot more organized with tournaments. So, so that's growing. And I think Australia is kind of doing like a reset in a little bit, like they're adding more tournaments, too. Yeah, and look, I think you've covered it off in the in the um, in the newsletter previously around, um, well, for example, there was like a tournament in Vietnam recently. I think um, so, mm-hmm. and, and part of that I think is is that work that Andrew Goff and a few others are currently doing to try to create more of an Asia Pacific scene as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see because I think that's yeah. where there's a lot of opportunity as well for the game to grow um, globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that obviously yeah. there's the first first tournament being held in Asia next year, so that's, yeah. that's going to be good. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's you know the thing with diplomacy is it's hard to really unify things because you know a there's no money in diplomacy, so there's nothing. You know nobody really has 
you know, there, you know, no one has the ability to say, Hey, why don't you, why don't we put an organization together? So two, everything is all done by a passion project. And so if everybody's doing things just on their free time, it's, you know, it's kind of hard for somebody else to come and say, Hey, why don't you do what I tell you to do? You know? Um, so diplomacy, I think internationally is always going to be very difficult to unify. Um, and that's a little bit for me about the, having the briefing right now is I think it helps us all know kind of what's going on so that there can be a little more crossover, which I think ultimately will make it a better hobby. As, as, a, as a passion project itself with the briefing, um, what's your advice to anybody who feels that, look, they've got to itch, you know, how best should they scratch that in developing their passion to being something a little bit more when it comes to the diplomacy scene? Well, I, I'd say you definitely want to make connections with people because, you know, you don't want to produce content that nobody sees, right? That was kind of like the thing with me. Like, I, I wanted there to be people that actually looked at it. Um, and I'm, some of it, you just got to do it for a little bit so that you build an audience. But, you know, making connections with different people, you know, let me know about it, for instance. You know, getting the word out there um, helps. But you got to be really, really persistent too. Just um, there, there, there is a lot of time put into promoting, to promoting the briefing, and I'm thankful for the response. But yeah, there is a, a lot, a lot of time. And um, so, with developing, you know, a project, you know, get it into, um, get it, go to the places where there are diplomacy players. You know, go to all these different communities. Say, hey, I'm starting this. Come check this out. Um, put it out there. Make sure that what you are putting out there is actually, you know, worthwhile. Like, you know, like I can, I, I think pretty much every podcast you guys have put out, almost all of them, you know, I put, I put into the briefing and it's because, you know, I can tell like you guys put time into putting this out. You have show notes. You can tell that you have a, you know, a schedule of what you're doing. And so like, for me, that's stuff that I want to promote. And, um, and, you know, the guests that you guys bring on, um, you know, they're, they're ones that I want to listen to. And so, I mean, make sure that what you're producing is, you know, there's some quality there. Make your connections and really try to be organized because um, it's really hard to do anything regular if you're not organized and planning out in advance. So, you know, try, try to plan ahead and get things together and, you know, as, as you can, you know, start to develop a support team, people that can help you, you know, with different parts of that. And so, you know, I like me personally, I don't necessarily plan on doing the briefing for the rest of my life so you know i at, at some point you know i hope to be able to get a little bit more of a team and you know probably some point down the line pass it off to someone else um but uh i'm i'm enjoying doing it right now i'm enjoying you know people getting to check it out and the connections i made with people so i guess that would probably be my advice you know plan it out and if you're going to do it make sure you do it well Excellent advice, Humble. Excellent advice. Um, I think this is pretty close to a wrap. Kano, anything else from you? I just wanted to thank you so much for, you know, putting it out there and spending the time to, to organise it and the persistence to, you know, produce this this wonderful resource that comes out on a weekly basis. Humble, I think, you know, it's a it's a great it's a great project. So that that's from me. Thank you very much. And I'm sure the diplomacy world at large, everyone who signs up to it, you know, really appreciates the uh, job that you do. Well, thank you. And I appreciate, you know, what you guys are doing, you know, in, in some ways, 
like I, I do a little bit of original content, but on some ways I'm kind of like, you know, how Google is with like all the newspapers, like I'm taking other people's content and plugging it in. So I can't do much without other people producing content. And so the regular stuff that you guys produce is much appreciated by me and uh, the community at large. So thank you guys too. Thanks, Humble. That's 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 good. Um, I think you touched on it earlier before, like you have you know two hundred, two hundred and fifty people um, subscribe, but make only twenty people have actually said thanks. Uh, it's one of these things where I think there's almost like an implied, implicit thanks for the fact that people continue to subscribe and listen, or you know read your your, your um your newsletters. It's just as you said it's always good just to have someone say hey i got a lot out of that thank you very much so um yeah i've enjoyed it as well uh, adding to to kana's thoughts so um let, let's hope uh, both of our um both of what we do uh, continues long into the future and people continue to get value out of it so um thank you again very much for your time today thank you and we're back we're back so what do you guys think what did you think? I loved it. I think it was a really good interview. Uh, I think it's, it's, as I said before when we came in the intro, I think it's just great to have this central location of just newsworthy articles. It's kind of like Google News for diplomacy players, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it, because it's tailored to, your, like, to our area of interest, yeah. you know, it, it, every, every one of them is worthwhile... I find when I get them in my inbox, they're not too big, they're yeah. easy to look at and to see what's coming up, what what might be out there that I haven't heard about. Like before the interview, I spoke to you about um, Play by Snail Mail. Yep. Um, you know, I, had, I wouldn't have any idea that that was out there had not Humble and he found that and shared that. I'm interested in that and, I, and I, I'm really keen, I think some of these interviews have kind of sparked ideas in my mind around new areas to... Sorry about that. New areas to do interviews. You know, it's not just a case of talking to whoever's winning a diplomacy championship or whoever happens to be a variant designer. Great interviews as they are. Yep. But, you know, delving deeper into a whole range of different topics. And I would love to talk to someone around, and we talked about this before, around someone who plays play-by-mail diplomacy. Postal diplomacy. Yes. Yes. And and what their motivations are and what do they get out of it compared to face to face or online or I don't know maybe they're like all eighty or ninety years old and they don't really want to do the online thing and they can't get to face to face tournaments who knows See, I've never done play by snail mail I've done play by email mm. but I imagine with play by snail mail you've got that opportunity to kind of include a little bit of your life in it mm. you know like. Um, take a photo of what the weather's like on the day that you send the, photo, the, the mail and it arrives as a yeah, actual photo oh yeah yeah you know send a wish postcard you were here. or wish you were here or <laughs> you know you could you could you know, send little drawings or what you know things like hands on real yep. items you know that, that would be really cool mementos for the mail I just don't know I, I don't know. That'd be interesting to know. Do they do that, or actually, one thing would be interesting. Two turns a year. I mean, what? the thing. Okay, so the thing about postal, which actually, when you think about it, postal could be a bit of a blend between a face-to-face type of game and an online type of game, and I'll explain why. 
The online element is the fact that you never really get the opportunity to physically sit down face to face with one or two multiple people and scheme and see their facial responses. So that's more like the online environment. Yeah. But within the face to face environment, it allows you to do things. Sorry, compare. Sorry, how it is similar to face to face is how you can kind of sit down with a map and physically kind of show someone because you can send a map with potential, potential moves arrows and arrows yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, here's my plan and here's my strategy. So I think it's almost like an amalgam of those two, perhaps. I don't know. Let us know. Is anyone out there listening to this who plays snail mail? Or has played snail mail? Yeah. I'd be interested to hear from you. So I think that... So send us an email, go to diplomacygames.com and click on the contact us button and send us something or send us yep. a PM on you know, VDIP, WebDIP, PlayDIP occasionally. All the usual places. All the usual places, although I'm a bit slower on the PlayDIP and WebDIP as well. So what else did you get out of the interview, Em? Um, I really found it interesting actually, I, I was, this may sound silly, but I went in with a misconception that Humble would be like... Um, two things, two misconceptions. First yep. one being he would just be spending an inordinate period of time being able to identify what's out there, making decisions and trying to find um, appropriate strategy articles and insights to share. And I kind of expect that this is the type of thing that's going to consume, you know, a day, a day and a half, a week, you know I mean, just to be able to bring all that together and work it all out. And the fact that he said, look, you know, I can usually bang it out about two hours. Pretty impressive. And when you consider that the quality's there, I mean, I think he's got that perfect balance between you know quality and timeliness with getting it done and produced. The other thing, though, which relates to that, is the fact that I thought he'd have a real difficulty trying to find good quality strategy stuff. And you know, the fact that he mentioned, I've got a backlog. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I mean, sharing them. Um, and I'm really interested. And this 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 is the, the third and final thing. I'm really interested to see, and it's no different to say with the diplomacy world, when people start talking about new strategies or refreshing old strategies, how much of the community then actually plugs into that and starts getting on that bandwagon? Oh, because that came out in, um, when we were talking about the different trends in the openings of the game. Yeah. Yep. And anyway. I think actually that comes out a little bit also in the next interview as well. A little bit, yeah. I'd love to chase up that article you mentioned about diplomacy widows. Yeah, where was that from? Oh, it was in the dip pouch, wasn't it? Yeah, or that's right. Yeah, we should probably see if we can search it down, track it down and put it in a yeah, link yeah. in the show notes or something. Because that was, you know, was quite interesting. What else? No, I just think, you know, like, it's just a really you get all-rounded, all-rounded interview, you know. Mm-hmm. I think... You know, his, his idea of diplomacy communities as being islands, they're very vibrant islands. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of trade routes or bridges between those islands. And that's where he kind of fits. He yeah. sits there as a connector between these places. And with over 40, you know, with over 40 different websites that he visits to sort of cast a net yeah. for the yeah. weekly information, it's, um, yeah, no, it's... So it's worthwhile listening to him talk. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know about you, but it's fucking hot in here. Yeah, we need to move to the next place. You're like, um, you know, sweating, sweating. considerably. Yeah. So how about you finish up your beer? Yes. And we'll 
move next door to hopefully an air-conditioned venue. And how about we, well, actually, how about we wrap this episode up now? Oh, okay. And start the next episode at the next venue. Yeah, okay, Keep we can do that. Yeah, yeah, short, sharp, short, and sharp. then the next one will be a little bit longer. longer. We'll talk a little bit, bit more slurry. about some of the games. That yeah, we'll actually, it's slurry. a good idea. Yeah. yeah, and by then though, some of them will be quite dated, which will mean we'll get the, the guilty and the innocent will be protected. Exactly. So, if you're interested in um, signing up to the weekly um, email from Humble the Heap um, or the Diplomacy Briefing, it's diplomacybriefing.com. Just jump on and sign up. Drop your email there, and it's just like a mailing list. And the thing I find, actually, here's, a, here's an extra value add that I would never expect. And I don't know if he does it to everyone, or I assume so. I actually got an email from Mumble early on, probably about a month or six weeks after he'd started. Yep. And he let me know that he was getting a message saying my email box was full and wasn't accepting any more emails. Your email box? Yeah, my ambient diplomacy games. Oh. And then I then went in and went, oh, shit, I don't know how the hell that happened. Is that true or not? I went into the server settings and found out that I'd actually had a very low cap set for the, um, the size of the email box. Oh, Bumped it up. Yep. Briefings keep coming and everything keeps going. So I, I didn't know that. Lucky. That's yeah. good. And maybe that kind of says if anyone kind of emailed me a couple yep. of months ago and <laughs> didn't, didn't get, get a reply <laughs> back, I wasn't being rude. <laughs> I just didn't get it. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Anyway. So let's wrap it up and then we'll um, reconvene for episode 61. Yes. Cool. I'm I'm Adam. And cheers. And cheers.